Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. Hey church. How many of you are glad that you have not built your life on sinking sand, but rather on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and His Word? Come on, give a shout of praise to our God this morning. Amen. Let me pray for us before we begin. My Lord God, we gather together as your children, O oh Lord. Father, what a great privilege it is. And Father, our desire, our prayer to you this week and every week is that, Father, you would give us humility of heart, O oh Lord, as we open up your word to not only receive your truth, but, Father, to see the beauty of your Son, Jesus Christ. And as we walk in our lives, O oh Lord, Father, may we live in a, in a way that honors you and glorifies you, Lord. So, Father, open up our hearts to receive your word. We love you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Come on, give another shout of praise to all campuses. Well, welcome, everyone. It is a great weekend to worship God together. My name is Zomar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at this church, and uh, if it's your first time here today, listen, we are glad that you're here. We're actually starting this summer series, this whole summer, uh, studying the book of Romans chapter 8, a chapter that many consider the greatest chapter in the Bible. And so we're going to be going verse by verse through this summer. This is the second week uh, of this series, and, um, and this chapter actually has a lot of focus on the Spirit of God. And so this summer, we're going to be looking and really studying a lot about the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. Today, we're going to be looking at how the Spirit of God guides our minds and sets our minds on the things of the Spirit. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 5, and you can follow along with me as I read, okay? Listen to what God's Word says. For those who live according to the flesh, right, without the Spirit of God, they set their what, church family? Minds. Their what? Minds. Their minds. Their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the what? Spirit. Of the Spirit. In other words, the direction of our mind will always go in the direction of our heart. If we have the Spirit of God inside of us, we will also, our minds will also head that direction. Amen. That is God's Word. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And family, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, like many of you, I actually grew up right here in Miami. 
And one of the things that you probably, I don't have to tell you that we all know, is that Miami is a car city, right? If you want to go anywhere in Miami, most of us get in a car and we travel there. But folks, not only that, but car is really the dominant form of transportation in the state of Florida. So if you want to go to Central Florida, to the West Coast, to the Panhandle, most people just get on a car and travel to that specific city. Now, folks, follow me here for just a moment. Because several years back, Ashley and I were in Rome, Italy, on our way to go visit my dad there in the Mediterranean. And while we were there in Rome, we said, you know what? Man, we're here in Italy. Why don't we go and travel and see all the other cities? And folks, what I quickly realized is that the best and fastest way to travel within the country of Italy is not by car like here in Florida, but actually by train. So I remember booking and buying the train tickets, and we got to the train station, and folks, I was in awe of all the different trains all around us. It was so many of them. I had never seen so many trains. But I was all, also, I was a little stressed because I knew if you boarded the wrong train, you could not change the direction of that train, right? So I was all stressed out. And family, at that moment, I realized perhaps an obvious fundamental difference between cars and trains. You see, cars can change direction at will, right? So if you're driving down the road and you want to go the other direction, all you got to do is pull a U-E, right? You pull a U-E and you're heading back in the other direction. However, trains, on the other hand, are fundamentally different. You see, trains do not have the ability to change direction at will. In fact, the conductor of the train and all the passengers of the train, no matter how much they wish they could change the direction of the train, they can't. And folks, here's the reason why. It's because the, the direction of the train is determined by one thing, and that is the tracks underneath it, right? You know, uh, wherever the tracks are heading, that also is going to be the direction of the train. And so, folks, do not miss this. Because unlike a car, the direction of the train is predetermined. And a train has no choice but to go in the direction of what's underneath it, namely the tracks that it is on. And folks, let me just bring that whole thought over to our teaching for today because, folks, what a picture of how the direction of our minds work. And by that I mean that just like a train can only go in the direction of what's underneath it, the tracks, just like that. And here's my proposition as we dive into God's Word today. Listen, your mind... Your mind and my mind can only go in the direction of what's underneath our mind, namely the condition of our hearts. You see, our hearts, they're almost like a track that direct the thought process and, the thought and what we set our minds to. Now, our hearts, it's almost what sets the direction of our minds. See, many people think 
that you can change your mindset, your overall mindset, like you, you turn a car. That at will, you can change your entire mindset of your life. But folks, a reality is the direction of your mind will always be a reflection of your heart. Now, you may be watching a line at one of our campuses, and you may be thinking, well, Omar, what do you mean that my heart will always determine the direction of my mind? And how can I be sure that my heart and mind are heading in the right direction? We're going to find out today from Romans chapter 8, okay? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8, and you can follow along in our listening guides that you received on the way in or on our app. You can download it and track along there with us. And folks, today I have three thoughts for us on the direction of our mind. Christ Fellowship, are you all ready to dive into God's Word today? Yeah. All right. So write this down as point number one. Here's the first thing that we need to remember. And it's this, that there are only two types of people in this world. Those with the Spirit of God and those without the Spirit of God. Now church, let's go back to the passage for today. Listen to what it says. It is for those who live according to the flesh, right? without the Spirit of God, set their minds on the things of the what? The flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the what? Spirit. Of the Spirit. Now, pause right there for a moment, and let me set up things for us. Because when we look at humanity, we see a variety of people. We see people of different cultures, of different nationality, of different races, of different social economic statuses, of different careers, different colors of skin, right? We see a variety of people across the world. Family, when God looks down on humanity, he only sees two types of people. Those of the spirit and those of the flesh. Those who have the spirit of God inside of them and those who do not have the Spirit of God inside of them. Those who belong to Christ, and those who do not belong to Christ. See, that is why in verse 9, it says of the believer, you, however, you, Christ fellowship, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Notice, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. You see, family, when God looks down on humanity, ultimately, there's only two types of people. And because there's only two types of people, that means there's only two types of mindsets in this world. In fact, circle the phrase, to set their mind. In your Bibles or in your handouts, circle the phrase, set their mind. Because the phrase there, to set their mind, in the original Greek text, the verb there, okay, it actually refers to the basic uh, orientation or the thought pattern of the mind. It refers to the affections, the desires, and even the reasoning of the mind. 
And family, here's the first thing that God is teaching us about one of these mindsets. Write this down as big number two. That those without the Spirit of God only set their minds on the things of the flesh. The church, notice what the passage states. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the what? The flesh. Now, circle the word flesh right there for a moment because if you're brand new with us, sometimes when you hear the word flesh, you think of like a fleshly wound, right? The actual flesh. But folks, when, when, when God's words uses the word flesh, it actually refers more to man's sinful nature. It refers to the things not of God, but things of man. So what God's word is saying here is that those of the flesh, those who do not have the spirit of God, they set their constant thoughts, affections, and desires not on the things of God, but on the things of this world, on the things of the flesh, on sinful desires. Now, the question you should be having is why someone of the flesh, someone who's not a believer in Christ, someone who does not have the Spirit of God, why is it that they only set their minds on the things of the flesh, that they only set their minds on sinful things? Why is that? Well, folks, verse 7 in this passage actually gives us the answer. It's because, write this down as letter A. It's because those without the Spirit of God are hostile to God. Now listen to what it says in verse 7, okay? For the mind that is set on the flesh is what, church family? What is it? It's hostile to God. See, the word hostile there in the original text, you can actually be literally translated enmity with God. Almost like a warring word against God. Which really reveals a condition of every single human heart apart from the Spirit of God. Which means, just to look at one personal example, which means that if you think of the nicest, sweetest little old lady that you can envision, right? Just envision that little old lady that's so nice and sweet. Here's what this means. That without the Spirit of God, when she is faced with God's truth and God's will, her sinful heart will not accept God's truth. In fact, the Bible says that she will be hostile to God apart from the Spirit of God. You see? And if you want to look at a bigger picture of a, a math example, listen, right now, just turn on the news. Open up your phones. You know, we all seen that Roe versus Wade was officially overturned. And what we have seen in God's word just a few weeks back, right, we looked at God's word and we saw how God's word tells us that every single child, right, that every single conception was divinely appointed by God that from the moment of conception to the moment of birth, there is life, 
and that God's hands are involved and they're creating and shaping that child every single step of the way, and that God's word has showed us that God values the life outside of the womb just as much as the life inside of the womb. But church, what do you see when you turn on the news? You see anger, anger, protesting, fury at all this. In fact, I saw yesterday one of the leaders of this country say that this is one of the darkest days in the history of our nation. So limiting abortion the taking away of children's lives, and that dismemberment of a child in a mother's womb, that is one of the darkest days in the nation's history. You see how much hostile we are, how, how seared our conscience are? And listen, what all the protests that you're seeing out there, hey, listen, young adults, high school students, listen up carefully. All the protests that you're seeing out there, those are not political protests. Ultimately, what they are is sinful man being hostile to God. Amen. That's what you see out there. It's ultimately God saying, this is a life. Protect that life. I created this life. And man say, no, I want to make my own decisions. Listen, don't get fooled. These are not political issues. This is an example of the hostility of sinful man against a holy, perfect God. Amen, church family? And so listen, young adults and high school students, do not be fooled. There's something deeper happening here. There's an example of the hostility of sinful man against our loving creator God. Amen? But not only that, but listen, write this down so there be. Those without the spirit of God are not only hostile to God, but they do not and cannot submit to God. In fact, listen to what it says in verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not, what? Submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Which means that for a person of the flesh, without the Spirit of God, the thought of God leading them, of God revealing his will to them, of God revealing his law to them is unacceptable. The sinful man wants to do what it wants and wants to rebel ultimately against God. Therefore, it does not submit to God's law. And there's almost an indictment here. It says what? That they cannot submit to God. They have the inability, apart from the Spirit of God, to submit to God's law. And then lastly, write this down so letter C. Those without the Spirit of God, listen, ultimately cannot please God. Now listen to how the verse continues. For those who are in the flesh cannot what? They cannot please God. Folks, what is the progression? Sinful mankind is hostile to God. They do want to obey God's law, and therefore they cannot please God. Now, some of you right now may be thinking at one of our campuses or maybe online, you may be thinking, but pastor, wait a second. 
what about these people who are not believers in Christ? Yeah, they don't have the Spirit of God in them. But what about those people that are good, moral people in this world? They're good, moral people. What about these philanthropists? You know, I, there's atheists out there that are huge philanthropists. You're telling me that even these good, moral people do not please God? That's exactly what God's Word is saying. First of all, because everything they are doing is not for the glory of God, it's for their own glory. That's the first thing. Second of all, listen, the Bible is very clear that apart from trust and reliance of God, you cannot please God. In fact, listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, without faith, it is impossible to what? To please him. You cannot please God apart from faith in Christ. And, listen to what it says, furthermore, for whatever does not proceed from what? Faith Faith is what? Sin. It's sin. And folks, listen, the reason I spend some time helping you understand truly our humanity state without the Spirit of God, without in our sinful state, is to help you better understand the people in your life. Maybe it's that family member, a brother, a sister, a parent. Maybe it's a cousin, an aunt, an uncle. Maybe it's a, a classmate, a coworker, someone in your life, right? Here's what happens. Because when you see them living a certain lifestyle, making certain choices in their life, and even when you invite them to church on Easter, right, the day you're supposed to come to church, right? They're like, no, I'm not really interested. Thank you so much. Listen, when you see them, here's what happens. Two things that happen. Either you can get frustrated or you become prideful. Frustrated because you can understand it makes all sense for me, right? God, the gospel, everything makes sense for me. How can it not make sense for you? Or you can be, develop pride. Because somewhere along the line, you start thinking, well, I was smart enough, I was wise enough to figure it out, to figure out the gospel, to figure out everything, and they're not smart enough, they're not wise enough, and so therefore, maybe pride can start develop in your heart. But here's what I want you to understand. The reality is that as much as you want them to, they cannot accept the things of God or even obey God apart from the Spirit of God. See, this is why God's Word says in 1 Corinthians, it says the natural person or the person of the flesh, right, to use another label here in 1 Corinthians, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him. They're foolishness to them. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually what? Discerned. See, folks, that's a person's state in their natural sinful nature state. You see, you see what I'm saying? But, folks, here's the good news. That the grace of God changes everything. Amen? Amen? Because when God begins to show grace to a person and intervenes in their life 
and the Spirit of God begins to convict that person of sin, and little by little begins to draw that person closer and closer to him to the point that they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did for them at the cross. Listen, the Bible says that at that moment, the moment that they put their faith and trust in Christ, the Bible says that God forgives them of all of their sins, right? They start a personal relationship with God. But folks, a miracle happens at that moment. And that is that the spirit of the living God comes to live inside of them. And folks, the moment that someone now has the spirit of God inside of them, here's what happens. Write this down as big number three. Now, those with the spirit of God begin to set their mind on the things of God. In fact, let's go back to the passage. Let's do what it says. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, who are the Spirit of God in them, they set their minds on the things of the what? Of the Spirit. You see, after a person has trusted Christ as Savior and the Spirit of God has come into their life, Listen, their thoughts, desires, and affections begin to change, don't they? You know, before, it's almost like they have new train tracks that's directing their minds. You know, before they were hostile to God, they didn't want nothing to do with God, but now they, they want to know more about God. They're interested. They, they want to know more about the things of God. In fact, let me just give you a visual for all of us so can it help us understand how this works You see, before Christ, right, before we were believers in Christ, without the Spirit of God, listen, we, our minds were set on the flesh. And we were continually, our minds were on the flesh. We were going away from God. We didn't care about the things of God. We were hostile to God. We were indifferent, right? We didn't care about anything. Our God, we only cared about the things of this world, our own things. But folks, the moment that you put your faith in Christ, and the Spirit of God comes in you, it's almost like you change the tracks of your mind. You see what happens? And now you begin to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And folks, the moment at, throughout our lives and the moment that we, the moment we end our lives here on earth, right, the promise that we have from our Lord, right, is that we will go to heaven to be with him. And at that juncture, we will have then new bodies and new minds without any sinful nature. And for the beginning, listen, we will perfectly set our minds on the things of the Spirit for all eternity. But you see, the, the interesting thing about the Christian life, right, is that now we have new desires. We set our minds on things of the Spirit, but it's a process, you see. And the goal of the Christian life is that the more you walk with the Lord, the longer you're walking with the Lord, the more that you're setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. You see how it works? You see, a a, a way of seeing maturity, spiritual maturity in your life is as you grow in your walk with Christ, you're setting your mind more and more on the things of the Spirit. Does that make sense, church? And And so because this little journey that we're on it's, it's a difficult one, right? Because we got to continue setting our minds on the things of the Spirit throughout our lives. For the rest of our time, I want to get really practical with us. Can I do that for us? And, and I'm going to just share a, a few things that I think can help us set our minds on the things of the Spirit, right? 
So write this down as letter A. Here's my first encouragement to you. First of all, start your day by spending time with the Lord, reading his word. And church, here's what I want you to understand. The biggest determinant of your daily spiritual health, listen carefully, the biggest determinant factor of your daily spiritual health is not who's a person's pastor is. It's not who their pastor is. It's not how amazing the worship was on the weekend. Listen, those things are good and they are important and they have their value. But listen carefully. The most important factor in your daily spiritual health is whether or not you're spending time with the Lord on a daily basis. You know, there's people who begin to struggle in their Christian walk and they want to blame anybody else but themselves. Oh, but that pastor or that leader or that church or whatever. But the reality is that every single one of us, we need to take responsibility for our own spiritual walk and spend time with the Lord. Amen? Read his word. Take time to pray. And folks, what I recommend is that you do so in the morning. It's not a mandate, but it's what I would suggest to you. In fact, this is why God's word says in Psalms 143, it says this. It says, let me hear in the what? Yeah, in the morning. Let me be reminded. Let me read in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. See, folks, here's what happens. When you start the day and you go to the Lord and you read his word and you take some time to pray, you know what it does? It teaches your heart, your mind, to look up to heaven early in the morning. And what happens is that when you begin to set your heart and mind on the things above early in the morning, it creates a habit for your soul to keep looking up throughout the day. You know, it's impossible, or not impossible, but it's hard to start, you know, not, not look up all day, right? Not have... Think of the Lord the whole day. And at 2.35 in the afternoon, when that thing happens at work, now you're looking up. Now you're looking up, right? Listen, you, there should be a habit that starts in the morning throughout the day just looking up to the things of God. And, and, and so, folks, here's what I want what, what to I, I encourage you. Even me, listen, as a pastor, when I don't spend time with the Lord in the morning, can I tell you, it's noticeable. Ashley can tell. My family can tell, my friends can tell, my coworkers can tell. Why? Because it really sets the tone for the rest of your day. And so we all need to figure out what is the time that you need to wake up in order to be able to spend time with God. Uh, for me, personally, everyone's different. For me, I know it's 6 a.m. I know that if I get up later than 6 a.m., it's going to be very hard. Why? Because I have... Uh, an eight-month-old and a three-and-a-half-year-old, I know that the baby gets up pretty much around seven or later. Camila's a wild card. She can get up at 4 a.m., at 6.30, or at 7.30, right? She's a little bit of a wild card. But I notice that if I don't get up, at, if I'm able to wake up right at 6 a.m., it gives me time to go make coffee, 
feed our, York, our dog, uh, our Yorkie Oliver, feed the fish, feed our bird. I feel like Ace Ventura in the mornings, right? <laughs> My goodness. And I do all those things really quick, and I'm able then to sit down with a cup of coffee and just spend time in the Word and just read. Sometimes it's 15, 20 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes, sometimes even more than that, 40 minutes, you know, whatever the, I'm able to do that day. But what I've noticed is the moment that I, the, the alarm sounds in the morning, I literally tell this my, myself this. I tell Omar, if you don't, up, if you don't wake up right now, it's going to impact the rest of your day. You will not be able to be the husband, the father, the leader that, God's call, that I'm calling you to be. And that motivates me to try to wake up as much as possible or even earlier and go and start the day by standing, spending time with God. Which, by the way, this upcoming week, I'm going to post on social media on our CF Miami uh, social, uh, um, uh, social account, social media account, uh, a, a, a little video of, of what my quiet time looks like, so some pointers that I could give you in your quiet time to help you structure your quiet time, right? So this week, be looking on CF Miami. There's going to be a little video there that, I'm gonna, that we're going to make, and hopefully that helps you in your private quiet time, okay? So prioritize your time with the Lord. And second, write this down as letter B, view moments in life through the Spirit's lens. So as you go through life, listen, whether it's a casual conversation with a coworker at, over lunch, whether it's driving your kid home from school in the afternoon, or maybe even at the store when you're purchasing something, I want to encourage you, as you go through these neutral, regular moments of life, you can either just look, go through life, or you can view them through the Spirit's lens. And so far, I'm going to give an example. You can go to the store, and, you know, you can go to the checkout line and you're about to pay for stuff. You can be so consumed, right, with what's on your phone, with what you got to do, with whatever it is that you're looking at social media. And when the cashier says, hey, is this how much you just take out your credit card, you pay and you go. See, with a neutral lens, you're just looking at them just like a cashier. Just a cashier. But when you put the spirit's lens, you no longer see that person as just a cashier. You see that person as someone who needs Christ. You start seeing, okay, so, Lord, how, what can I do in this moment? You know, what are you leading me to do? And, and maybe at those moments, you, you look at that moment, okay, God, I, and so what you see, what you do is, hey, listen, I, before, you, before you go, hey, listen, I don't know if you go to church anywhere. I go to a church just down the street called Christ Fellowship. Man, if you're in, ever interested in going to coming, man, I would encourage you, come check us out. I think you really, really enjoy it. It's, we have everything for the family. It's, it's really great. In fact, here's a little invite card, and we would love to have you whenever you're, you're able to. And you go, and you don't know if that moment God's going to start using that little invite card to draw that person to the Lord. You see, you can either go through life with neutral, it's just life, or you can ask the Lord, Lord, show me what you want me to do at this specific moment, you see? And then right, lastly, write this down, it's letter C. When hurt or betrayed, let, your, let the Spirit direct your thoughts. And I, see that, and I say this because, listen, it's in those moments in life, okay, that we can easily set our mind back on the flesh. Isn't that right? The moment that you're hurt, that someone insulted you, that someone disappointed you, that someone betrayed you, 
we can get so upset that we set our mind on the things of the flesh. You know, for example, just recently, uh, there, were, there were some friends of mine that, you know, that I, you know, I know for a long time, I, you know, uh, always on good terms, and, uh, you know, they did something that really kind of hurt me, that really kind of upset me, um, and to a certain extent, I thought that they took advantage of uh, my relationship with them, my friendship with them, and when I brought it up to them, and I, you know, I shared my thoughts like the Lord wanted me to, he calls us to do that in, 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 in the book of Matthew, you know, they kind of denied it. They, you know, they shoved it under the rug. They even gave some, you know, really lame excuses for it or whatever the case may be. And let me tell you something. When I got that response, I wanted to set my mind on the flesh. I wanted to respond and say, well, I was thinking of how can I really get, get them really well, right? How can I say this specific thing to hit them where it hurts and to really get back at them? And I was all thinking about all these different things. But then I began to say, Lord, I'm putting my mind, I said, that's on the flesh. Let me set my mind on the things of the Spirit. And at that moment, the Lord reminded me, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. You know, a person who's meek does not take revenge on their own. Instead, they leave it up to God, and you let, they let God handle the situation. And so listen, there's moments when you are hurt. Maybe right now. Maybe right now you're sitting in one of our campuses or maybe you're watching online. And for half the time you've been listening to me and the other half of the time you were thinking about that thing that someone did to you and you're fuming. Listen, don't set your mind on the things of the flesh. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Amen? Set your mind of the things of God, and he is faithful. He will guide you, and he will lead you in the way that you should go. Do you believe that, church family? Amen. Give a child praise to God. So let me end with this. You know, maybe you're watching right now. You're joining us, and, you know, as you're listening, realize that for, for such a long time, you didn't want nothing to do with God. You were indifferent about the things of God. You would never want to even uh, abide by God's will, by God's law. Like, th that was foolishness to you. But recently, something has changed. In fact, you started coming to church. You wanted to know more about God. You were interested in the things of God. You were trying to... F There's something in you that you need to get right with God. Listen carefully. That is not a coincidence. That is a spirit of God working in your life, beginning to convict you of sin and beginning to draw you closer and closer to the Lord. And so listen, if that's you, listen, do not ignore what's taking place in your life right now. That is God's grace coming in your life, intervening and drawing you to a place to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So there has to be a moment where you either decide either you're going to put your trust and faith in Christ and start a relationship with the Lord, or you're going to go back to your old ways. So I want to encourage you. Put your trust in Christ, and you will never regret it. Amen? Let me bow our heads for prayer. Father, Lord, today we come before you, Lord, and, and we thank you, Lord, that you have given us your spirit, oh Lord, to guide us. And Father, my prayer for all of us and for myself 
is that more and more in our walk with you that we will set our minds in the things of the Spirit, Lord, so that we can live a life that honors you in every which way. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to speak to some of us here today watching online, watching our campuses, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, that maybe you're here today and you realize, you know what, I, I need to get right with God. I'm tired of living my life without God. I've seen what this world has to offer. I'm done. I, I, I want to start a, a relationship with the Lord. And you're wondering, how can I do that, Omar? How can I, how can I, do, how can I start a personal relationship with the Lord? Well, listen, the Bible says that for whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be saved from their sins. You're probably wondering, well, pastor, how do you call on the Lord? How do I do that? I'm here at church. I, I'm trying to do good things. Listen, the Bible says that if you, come, if you believe, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. See, there has to become a moment Will you put your trust and faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ? And the moment that you put your trust in Christ, the Bible says that he'll forgive you of all of your sins. He'll make you his own as a son and daughter. And from that moment on, you'll start a relationship that will never end. But there has to come a point that you put your trust. And so if that's you, if you're someone who says, you know what, Omar, I'm ready. Man, I'm ready to take that step. By the way, many people, last service and last night, people have already come to know Christ. If that's you, listen, before I lead you in a prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something. And I'm not going to ask you to stand up or, you know, come up here and say your name, <laughs> nothing like that, all right? It's something very simple. If you feel you're ready to take that step, in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to just, when no one looking around, just slip up your hand. And it's a healthy way of you in your heart saying, you know what? I am ready to start my walk with the Lord. Man, I'm ready. I'm ready. Omar, pray for me. And so if that's you, listen, with, with all heads bowed right now, all, all campus, with all eyes closed, if you say, Omar, you know, just pray for me. I think I'm ready to take this step with the Lord. If that's you, just slip up your hand and say, Omar, just pray for me. I'm ready. I see you, ma'am. I see you as well. Anybody else? I see you as well. I see you. I see you. I see you as well. Anybody else? I see you in the back. Anybody else? I see you, sir. Anybody else? I see you in the back. I see you as well. I see you in the right. At all campuses, go ahead and raise your hand. Many people raising their hands. Amen. I see you as well over there. Amen. Go ahead and put your hand down. Listen, whether you raise your hand or not at all campus, at campuses, listen, ultimately, the Lord sees your heart. And so I want to lead you through a prayer. When you pray this prayer, listen, you don't pray to me. I'm simply a man. I cannot save you. You pray to the God who loves you and who gave his life for you, okay? So if that's you, just pray this with me, quietly to yourself. Lord, today I realize how truly far away I was from you. But Lord, today I come before you and I confess all of my sins. Lord, I ask you for forgiveness of all of my sins. And I put my trust in you, O oh Lord. Today, I surrender my life. And Lord, make me your own. Give me everlasting life. And Lord, for the rest of my life, let me live a life that honors you 
and that sets my mind now on the things of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me today. I love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Family, can we encourage all those people who raise their hand? Man, praise God. If that's you, it's the best decision you will ever make in your life to have a personal relationship with Christ. Listen, if that's you, if you raise your hand at one of our campuses, let's say, I want to challenge you on the way out, there's a next step booth. Just stop right for just a moment, a minute or so, not much more. Stop by there at all of our campuses. We'll, have, we'll be able to quickly connect with you, give you a brand new Bible, and then one of our pastors throughout the week could call you and see how we can best serve you in your new walk with Christ. Make sure you stop there for just a moment, fill those connection cards, or if you're watching online, go to cfmiami.org slash connect, fill that card out, and one of our pastors would reach out to you this week, all right? Well, family, man, it's been a great weekend. I want to challenge you, come back next week as we continue this study through the book of Romans chapter 8, all right? I'm going to call the campus pastors to the front. Christ Fellowship, I love you. Have a great, great weekend.